something that you failed to put in the bulletin this morning. Uh, it's, a, it's a poem that has helped me for many, many years. And I pray that uh, you would enjoy uh, reading it when you go back. We are at the end of chapter 5 of Ephesians. If you have a Bible, you'll be reading from verse 22 to 33. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. You realize that this is a hot potato topic and you are very familiar with this because at almost any wedding parts of this section will be read I just spoke with a young lady and uh, she hasn't seen her dad for a long time in fact she hasn't seen her dad for many years he would work in Taiwan and he commutes back here several times and uh, I'm just wondering about the family relationship the, the, the mother having to be both mother and father and here we are into a passage where a person who is spirit filled if you're not drunk with wine but ought to be spirit filled you will have this kind of a relationship with your spouse with your children and my heart goes out to young people those of us who whose parents are not here some of us both parents are not here and I cry in my heart because we are talking about relationships that they can never build let's look at the Lord in prayer father we come to you this morning our hearts we pray father that you will be gracious to us Father, we believe that as we read the Bible in James, that all good things come from you. And so, Father, we pray this morning that you will give us good gifts. Give to us hearts that are receptive, that our hearts will bear fruit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm sure that many of us are shocked by the death of uh, Whitney Houston. She died so young, less than two weeks ago on a Saturday. 
she is so famous that her nickname is the voice and the voice is silent and the internet is buzzing with all her old songs her favorites and they're replaying it the her signature tunes you know one of her first performances was in her home church in newark new jersey and the song that she sang was this just a little talk with jesus makes it right and you know one of the last performances that she gave was called whitney's last public performance i'm not sure if that's the name of the performance but the song that she sang there it was a duet it was impromptu it was called yes jesus loves me and someone said that these are like the bookends of her life the beginning and the end and if you only if you don't know her and you heard about the first song and the last song and you you would think that her life was wonderful jesus is in her life and she's sandwiched in between with jesus but if you look at her life you realize that that is not true because she went into drug addiction she had a bad marriage maybe the bad marriage caused her to take drugs and so her marriage her life went into a tailspin from which she never recovered and she died probably of a drug overdose it's sad and this morning we're dealing with a passage called marriage marriage is tough and when you have a bad marriage this can happen to us it happened to a person who sings about jesus so this can happen to us right here in our church just like in her case so how can we learn how can we have good marriages how can we live with our spouse victoriously you know this is the part where we we talk about being spirit filled don't be drunk with the spirit with, with wine but be filled with the spirit and this is one of the participles that comes with it be submissive to one another and now paul is expanding on that yes we submit ourselves to one another verse 21 in verse 22 he talked about wife submit yourself to your husband this is a hot potato because we don't like the word submit you know the battle of the sexes started believe it or not right in the garden of eden do you realize that the battle between the husband and the wife right from the garden of eden the tension was there when things went bad adam blamed eve and eve blamed the serpent you remember that and we inherited this conflict through the generations let me suggest to you that if there are conflicts in the home it's because of sin right there so much so that people write books like you know we fight all the time man and woman we don't agree we don't see eye to eye and you have a book that calls that say the title is men are from mars and women are from where venus a different planet we don't see eye to eye no wonder we have problems in our marriage we look different we act different we think different we used to dress differently too but nowadays you sometimes you can't tell right uh, we smell different i think 
and yet we're supposed to live harmoniously. Now look at some of these differences. I hope you, you take this as a lighter moment, okay? Uh, supposedly, this is Martin Luther's home. Forward to the 20th century. You know, I, I hope you understand the, the history of that. He nailed the 95 Theses to a church door, okay? Look at this one. Husband and wife, ideas. The way we behave, different. The wife will say, how many wives tell their husband, when you come to church, smile. How many wives will tell their children, mothers will tell their children, when you come to church, I want you to smile. Even if you don't want to smile, smile. Does that describe marriage? Now, I know this is a little bit small. I couldn't put it, I couldn't chop it up. But you can tell, men are people with few words. Look at the, the you know, the, the daughter is not feeling well. Look at the, 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 the mother. Look at the dad. Look at this one. Who dresses the dad at home? In many families, I think that's true. If it doesn't pass the eyes of the daughters and the wife, the husband is not wearing it. They're so different, right? Look at this one. Why are they wearing so much makeup? To look older. And look at the wife. To look younger. We can never get it right. And look at this one. Symbolic, right? The husband, we are the king of the castle. But actually, it's only honorary title. <laughs> And look at this one. We just had Valentine's Day, right? Well, think about an anniversary. How men chooses cards and how ladies choose cards. It's interesting. Hey, here's a good one. It has flowers on it. <laughs> uh, another one. If, you're my, if you were my wife, would you like this one? Uh, this card is pretty and has lots of words. Uh, the first guy to pick a winner, let me know. And the last one, this one must be good. That, there's only one left. <laughs> See, I, we are so different, but yet we are told to live harmoniously. How do we do that? That's why this morning the title of the message, Living with Your Spouse, is hard. How do we live with one another? We are so different. Living with our spouse is not easy. We have especially a, such a strong feminist movement, especially in the US, so much so that people get upset if there's even a hint of sexism or inequality. That's not fair. And then the wife gets angry. Usually it's the wife because it's basically a man's world in many places. It's a man's world. And so they have to claw their way up there to be heard. But I think we are getting there. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad for our, our sisters because there should be equality in the world. Okay. And you know this passage? If ever a candidate brings this up, that candidate will lose the election. Guaranteed. So how? 
how do we live with our spouse? By the way, it's such a contentious issue. You may not know it. For the last 15 years, this was a contentious issue in Texas. It was so contentious that the Texas, Texas Baptist Convention split the history of the Southern Baptist Convention. The Southern Baptist Convention, the state convention in Texas, split into two. And they have big names, BGCT and another one, SBTC. So hard to remember. And our church, the church that I was pastoring, is a member of both conventions. It's like listening to this, listening to that. And what's the main, why do they split? It's over this verse. How should wives submit to their husbands? And it's over whether women are allowed to preach from the pulpit. And so you have the conservative and you have the liberal. The conservative will call them liberal and the liberal will call them they are fundamentalists. They call each other names. Why over this issue? That's why this is a hot potato. So how do we live with our spouse in ways that are Christ-honoring? Let me suggest to you, I split the passage into two. As I look at it, I believe that the way we live with our spouse is by being loving and submissive to our spouse, and secondly, loving and respecting our spouse. And you look at it, you realize that the second one is a lot easier to pre preach. And I'm going to be politically correct. I'm going to preach the easier one first, the second part. Loving and respecting your spouse. Who doesn't want to love and respect the spouse? It's a no-brainer. Love and submit. Now, that is hard to swallow. So how do we love and respect our spouse? Now, this is a natural continuation of the filling of the Spirit. Remember earlier on, last week we talked about, Paul says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And then that is connected to participles. These are the actions that show that you are Spirit-filled. And one of them is verse 21. Submit to one another. This is the blanket statement. We should submit ourselves to one another. Why? Because we fear Christ. And then now he comes to the nitty-gritty. What does it mean to submit to one another? Look at it. The spirit person will submit to one another. That's a blanket statement. And it's followed by a lot of examples. Wives submit to husband. Husband love his wife. Child will obey his parents. Father will not exasperate his child. A slave will obey his master. A master will treat his slave well. That's how it works out. So, by, so in our passage... How do we live with our spouse? Love and respect her. Love and respect her. Um, there's a book called Love and Respect. And I believe many of us went through this. Did you all like it? I hope you do because I liked it. Love and respect. It's easier to write the second half. That's the second half. You will sell books. Love and respect. Warm fuzzy. I love you, you respect me. Easy to sell. So a spirit-filled husband will love his wife. And a spirit-filled wife will respect her husband. Love and submit. 
not so much, right? In our passage, the part about loving one's wife is clearly brought out. Husbands, I underline for you, love and respect. And a husband is asked to love the wife how many times? You can count it. You can underline it. One time, two times, three times, four times. In that passage. But the wife is not asked to love the husband. Why? Because it's natural. That's the inference. We are only commanded to do what we naturally don't want to do. And so husbands, we don't naturally love our wives, especially when they behave like sometimes porcupines, when they do things we don't like. It's hard to love them. Same thing if the husband is like a porcupine. It's hard to respect him, hard to love him. But the husband is asked to love the wife four times. I think men are hard of hearing. I'm getting there. But wives are asked to respect the husband only one time. Verse 33. And hopefully they hear it. You hear it. Man has to be told four times. Man, I hope you're listening. Question, do you love your wife this morning? Do you love your wife yesterday? Are you planning to love your wife today? Now, for our younger folks here, wow, this is talking about husband and wife. It has nothing to do with me. I hope you listen carefully because most of you would want to be what? You want to be married. You want to marry the guy who loves you. And the key is in this passage, don't just marry a guy because he's good looking, he plays the guitar, he plays computer games so well, you know. Uh, he's a top student in school. But marry a guy who loves the Lord. Do you read it? Loves the wife as Christ loved the church. That is verse 25. Marry a guy who loves the Lord. Marry a guy who loves the Lord. Uh, guys, wow, she's so beautiful, she's the one. I hope you look at this passage carefully because it actually tells us who to marry. For the guys, okay? So husbands, how are we to love our wives? Paul states in several ways from the passage. Husbands, love your wife like he gives the example. Guys, you know how you love your wife? Look at Jesus Christ. How did Jesus love the church? He died for the church. He sacrificed for the church. He cares for the church. He laid down his life for the church. And so husbands, is your love sacrificial? Meaning that you will do anything to save your family. Now, I don't say this lightly. Now, I don't know why some of the dads and some of the husbands are not with the family. Now, I know economy is bad and they are very far away. And my heart goes out to the wives whose husbands are not here. It's hard, you know. But could it be that you want a lifestyle, maintain a lifestyle, buy a big house, you have a big mortgage? Couldn't you buy a small cottage? and find a job. Sort of like my friend told me, 
If I get laid off, I will work for McDonald's and flip hamburgers in order to support my family. And so, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved his church. How? He sacrificed. And maybe you need to sacrifice a, your big paycheck to find a low, lower-paying job. Move down the ladder of the, the social ladder, buy a smaller house, maybe rent an apartment, I don't know. But in order that you be there and love your wife and love your children. And it says Christ made his church the same holy and blameless and radiant. Husbands, do we give our wives the, the opportunities to be fed? Do, do, do the husbands. Do, do you encourage your wife? Because it says, wash her with the word. And I'm so glad you look at the passage, it is Jesus who cleanses the word, not the husband. But the husband is an instrument. But the one behind it is the Lord Jesus Christ. But the husband has a role to play. I have to encourage my wife, be the woman she's supposed to be, to be a godly woman, a godly mother. And when she has gone wrong, I have to go to, we have to go to her and say, hey, the Bible says this, what do you think? Gently remind her. And secondly, husbands, love your wife like your own body. How you feed it and care for it. How do we feed and care for our bodies? Oh, you should see the people in the gym. I go to the gym and I see people. It's so amazing. They come in with these bottles, colorful liquid, you know, and then they're just drinking it, and then they're exercising, and you see the muscles bulging. And then I ask them, what are you drinking? This yellow stuff, you know. Oh, these are supplements, you know. It'll really make your muscles be strong. They take care of their bodies. You have blue liquid, you have yellow liquid. Wow, I see those. You know, I, I would just drink water because I don't know what is in those things, right? Okay, but they do that because they want to build their bodies. And here, Jesus is saying, the husband cares for his body, can, should care for his wife, like he cares for his body. Husbands, love your wife, your wife as you love yourself. It's not just the body now. It's the total picture, all of life. This is self-love. Naturally, we love ourselves. We are selfish people. And so Paul is saying, the way you are selfish towards yourself, treat your wife the same way. It's sort of like the golden rule. Well, how you want people to treat you? Treat your wife that way. And so we have wives and husbands, sometimes they say to each other when they are angry, why don't you treat me like your friend? Okay, that's a, another sermon. How do we, how do we love ourselves? Can you picture in your mind, in your home, when you go home? What do you do for yourself? We love to be served. Don't we? We all want to be served. Then, serve. Uh, do you want to be pampered? Then pamper your wife. Uh, if you want to be treated as important, treat your wife as being important. Honor her. And I think what happens is that we have a lot of problems with our young people. Why? Because they see their dad mistreating their mom. 
oh, dad doesn't honour mom. why should I honour my mom? She's not important. You know, in my family, a very traditional, I think there are lots of wisdom from tradition, Chinese tradition. You know what is my mother's name? Her nickname, that's not really her name. My mother's name, nickname is Big. Tai. Big. And my grandmother's nickname is Tai. Big. So my, my, my father will call my grandmother Big. Okay? And we, and, and, and we will call my mom Big. Meaning, she's important. Better toe the line. Honor your mother. Honor your wife. Treat your wife as important and your, and your children will get the picture. And so I pray that you will never mistreat your wife, especially in front of your children. They learn. And so what happens is that when, it's what Jin and I do. Whenever our two girls talk bad to my wife, that's a big no-no. And I will discipline them. So I don't know about you, you kids. Uh, I really think that if your parents don't discipline you, you learn all these bad habits, and the habits become a character. See, I, I go to the gym, and they just changed a receptionist. You know, some people shouldn't be receptionists because they don't smile. And then you can tell they're forced to smile. So they come, you, you come, come in and then they smile, especially in Walmart, big smile. But the moment you turn, you know, they're not smiling. Okay? So, so in the gym, I admit this, and he's African-American. And he will say, morning, sir. And when, when I leave, he said, thank you, sir. So I feel so bad every time he say that. So I went up to him and I said, I said Greg, you know, I know you, you know, you're my friend. You, you don't have to say that, you know. Just say hi, we'll do. He said, no, 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 my parents taught me when I was young that whenever I see somebody who is older, and I think you're older, I say, sir. I said, wow, that's wonderful. And I talked to him, I said, are your parents Christians? Oh, yeah, my parents are Christians. I said, I am a pastor. I, I love to have you in my church. Sir, madam. Respect, honor, especially in front of your children. And my wife reminds me, open the door. Right? Open the door for your wife because your, your children will get the cue. And so it's going to be very hard for the boyfriend to learn, right? Oh, must open the door. Honor. Okay, and there are many, many things. You can tell me, all right? I, so husbands, love your wife as you love yourself. How do you love yourself? We love ourselves so many ways. We are so creative. In the same way, love your wife. The way we love our spouse must always be connected with Christ. That's how Paul puts it. Husbands, love your wife just as Christ. Look at it. The love is always connected to Jesus. Husbands, how are we to love our wives? Look at Jesus Christ. The way Jesus loves us, that's the way we love, we should love our wives.
a spirit-filled wife will also respect her husband. Wives, how do you respect your husband? Paul states it very clearly. He elaborates it, and we'll be talking about it. Submission. Uh, we have an example in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 6. Like Sarah, who obeyed. How did she show respect to Abraham? It says, 1 Peter 3, 6. Like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Now, back then, they, they, I guess, master is like sir today. So, so Sarah looks up to Abraham. Even Abraham was a fool so many times. Okay? Now, in this book, Love and Respect, he has many helpful diagrams to show this love and respect. To, to put it in picture. And you know, I'm visual. And this is the picture. I remember it better. You see, as the husband loves the wife, the love motivates the wife to respect the husband. It becomes an energizing circle. You love your wife, your wife respects you, and you love her more, and she respects you more. You, you see what I mean? But on the other hand, you have the crazy cycle. When we don't do that, you don't love her, she reacts without respect, and you react. That's the, that, that's the story of a lot of marriages when they break up. There are so many ways to love our wife. Find out. Read widely. Read this book. There are so many examples here. I was laughing with my wife as we were reading it. We, we get cues. We get examples, all right? Because we are not so bright. We don't have all the ideas. So talk, observe your wife, see what she likes. Then do it for her. Uh, uh, when does she smile? Oh, when I do that, she smiles. Okay, do that more. Uh, what does she appreciate? Okay. Some wives want love notes. Then write a lot of them, right? I actually practiced it one time. Uh, I was in the US, Jean was in Singapore. And that was before I know how to use the internet. And she didn't, that obviously didn't know how to use the internet. So what did, I what did I have to do? You remember aerogram? Is that in your vocabulary? Aerogram, those blue things, they're the cheapest way to send an airmail letter. It was 35 cents at that time, I think. I wrote her one note every day for four months while I was here one every day. Was it hard? It was hard. I already said this yesterday. <laughs> what more can I say? And I was praying, Lord, help me, you know, so that I'll be creative, right? And I wrote, I wrote, I believe my children saw the basket. It started piling up with blue notes. Now, I think she threw them all away after some time, you know, but but I, I think I remembered it. She remembered it. Uh, some wives would love to have food brought to them. How many wives like food to be brought to them in bed? Come on, don't be shy. Come on. How many of, of the wives like breakfast in bed? So few. Okay. Those of you who are not married, or those of you who are married, 
do you want food to be brought in the future when you, you are married? Let me see your hand. Ah, okay. So when you, when you find a husband, a prospective husband, maybe this is something you need to talk about. Will I get breakfast in bed? If the answer is no, oh, this is not a person. I'm just kidding with you. So how can a wife show respect to her husband? Maybe write her and write him an encouraging letter. Oh, you work so hard. You bring money home. I really respect you. Are you taking care of the family? I appreciate you. Uh, take the respect test. It, we, we, we laugh over it. That's a respect test. How do you test whether you really respect your husband? Now, this is the respect test. And let me just read this to you. He tells the wife, spend a bit of time thinking of some things you respect about your husband. Go home, wait until your husband isn't busy. He's not busy, he's not distracted, and say, say this, quote, I was thinking about you today and there are several things about you that I really respect. And then list them. Tell him. Now, after saying that, don't wait for a response. Just mention something that you needed done in the house and then quietly leave the room. So one woman actually wrote him, wrote the author. She practiced the respect test and this was what she said. After saying what she respected about her husband and was about to leave, her husband practically screamed, quote, wait, come back, what things? Things to be done in the house, there are things to be done. Fortunately, and this is important, she was ready to tell him in more details what she respected about him and why and what needed done in the house. When she was finished, her husband said, wow, hey, can I take the family out for dinner? Now, this woman was shocked because her husband had seldom ever taken the family out for dinner. What was going on here? Now, his response was, and I think he's correct, a man's first impulse is to love and serve, especially in response to being honest. And so, wow, what can I do for you? I feel respected. I feel honored. So uh, he offered to take her out for dinner, but because the children had something on that night, the wife said, can I take a rain check? So he said, oh, take a rain check. And then a few minutes later, 15 minutes later, the wife heard sounds coming from the kitchen. Pots and pans banging in the kitchen. She went to look and found her husband fixing dinner. Her husband had never fixed dinner. Never. That was the operative word. Never. This was first. Again, he is serving. A few days later, this husband was in the laundry room doing laundry. I, he's a poor guy. I shouldn't go on because why? Then he'll be doing everything for the wife, right? Okay. And the wife wrote to, wrote, wrote to Agarich and said, wow, are there any more respect tests? I want to take some more. Maybe I might get to have a cruise to the Caribbean, you know? <laughs> So this is, the, this is the easy part. Love your husband. You know, love your wife. And the wife respect the husband. And you see it going in a cycle and it energizes the marriage. 
Now we come to the hard part. Loving and respecting your spouse. What does it mean? Loving and respecting, uh, loving and submitting to your spouse. Wife, submit to your husband. And I said that is such a dirty word. Considered a dirty word. Submit. Because that is the word used in the army. A general commands the troop. And the troop submit. Yes, sir. And we don't like it. Especially in our society when there is what we call emancipation of the women, the fairer sexes. Submitting to your husband is really hard. And so we have all these encouragements. Don't submit to men. Be your own boss. And so we, hear, we, we, we live in a society where it's very hard to apply that biblical standard. Submitting to husband, when they, you hear the word, wow, Pastor Poeing is being submitted. Paul is saying that, and Pastor Poeing is championing that, submitting, submit to your husband. You know what? When you hear the word submit, a lot of women hear what? Subjugation. They hear oppression. They hear tyranny. They hear slavery. But that's not what the word implies. It's more than that. There is something behind it. Paul is not saying that, wife, submit to your husband, like your husband is Jabba the Hutt. You know Jabba the Hutt in Star Wars? That fat guy just sits there and wants to be served. That's all he does. Eat and sleep. Right? Paul is not saying that. Now, actually, the church has opened the door of equality. You realize that. If you go through church history, the church is the one that actually opened the doors for equality of the sexes. Jesus praised women. Jesus allowed women to tag along and supplied his need. And the apostles had all these women going with them. Aquila, Priscilla. Priscilla was mentioned. Many other women. So you find that you read church history. The church was one of those institutions that actually raised the, the opinion of people concerning women. Now bear in mind, when Paul wrote this, the Jews had a very low view of women. They have a very high view of men but a very low view of women. When a Jew, an Orthodox Jew, go into the synagogue and pray, you know what they pray for? They pray for that, that God, I thank you that you didn't make me a woman or a Samaritan or a Gentile. Can you imagine if you're a woman? Wow, I'm a Samaritan and I'm Gentile put in the same category. Tax collectors, bad people. In Paul's day, women were looked down upon by the religious establishments. In fact, uh, Josephus thought, Josephus was one of the historians, Jewish, Jewish historian. he thought that women were inferior, actually, as a person, inferior to men. And they should not be obedient, that you, men should not be obedient to them. Now, the Romans and the Greeks treated women as second-class citizens. They have very few rights. But when Jesus came, things changed. He esteemed women. He had so many women co-workers, so as Paul and all the others. In the U.S., we have equality. Now, I really can't think of a job in the U.S. where women can apply for. Can you think of any job? There's almost practical, practical equality. Every job that a man does, 
a woman can do. Can you think of any example where a woman is not qualified to do a particular job? If there is, you will have a lot of women standing outside with a, we want equality. Right, we, we are getting there. You have equality out there. But look at this book, Love and Respect. A big book, 324 pages. But you know how many pages are devoted to love and submission? Less than 30 pages. Why? Because it doesn't sell. Submit? No, that's a bad word. All right? We have so many examples of abusive husbands, even in the Bible, that when you're talking about submitting to an abusive husband, a bad? No. You must be joking. So it's such a loaded word. In the Christian context, I think it is different. Why? Because Jesus is our example. Why submit your, yourself to your husband like what? Like the church submits to Christ. That's the example. And how, how did Christ, how did Christ love the church? Christ sacrificed. In that way, husbands, love your wife. Wives, how do you submit to your husband? Like the church submits herself to Christ in everything. His Savior, He sacrifices. And so that is, that, that is what He is bringing across. Why do we submit? Wives, why should you submit to your husband? You submit to your husband because the Lord says so, say so and also because why? He is standing in the place of your Savior. He is sacrificing for you. Of course, there are husbands who are not sacrificing for their wife. And for some marriages, it will take a long time. But that is the ideal. We have examples of wicked husbands. Right there in Genesis. Do you know Genesis chapter 4? So this has been a problem with men. Men lording over and abusing women. Lamech, Genesis 4. Evil men. He stifles his wife. Actually, wives. In a Christian context, it is different, right? Jesus is our captain. And so that's the chart. And also you find in 1 Corinthians 11.3, it says, Now I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. And if you look at this passage, you know what's the contention? The contention is the word head. What is headship? Wife, submit to your husband because she is the head. Wow, that is such a big word. And so we have wives who, I think this joke was coined by a woman. Yes, my husband is the head but I'm the neck that turns the head. Have you heard that? Uh, I think it's a misunderstanding of this whole idea of headship. What is headship? Let me suggest you look at, look at this quotation. Dr. Wayne Grudem, in a careful study of 2000, all the instances of the word head, carefully, from classical Greek all the way to non-classical Greek, says this, no instances were discovered in which kephale had the meaning of source. See, the, 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 the quarrel is, no, he is head, not because he is the leader, but he is 
the source. Women was, women, Eve came out of Adam. Adam's rib, that's all there is. But what happened is that when you look at the passage, he talks about wives submit to husbands, church submit to Christ, children submit to fathers, slaves submit to masters. There is that because he has that role, I obey, I obey, I obey. And so headship there has to do with authority. It's not source. There's no way around it. Every book you read, when they talk about this, they always argue between source and authority. And let me suggest to you that the authority is given to the men. A role he plays. But what kind of a role is that? It's a sacrificial role. And husband must realize, yes, I lead the family, but I have to, first of all, lay down my life for the family. And when I'm willing to sacrifice and lay down my life, I earn the right to be, to be, to be loved and respected. Genesis 3.16 says this. Let me tell you that this whole struggle of headship, why there is budding of heads in the family, goes all the way back to Genesis 3.16. I'll, I'll be very fast. To the woman, God says, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. The desire that is not sexual. It's not psychological. What's the meaning of the word desire? Look at chapter 4, verse 7, because the same word is used. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. God is talking to Cain after killing Abel. It desires, what? Sin desires to have you, but you must master it, the same word. So the meaning of the word desire is sin wants to control Cain. But Cain, you have to master it. And so you put it in a context. What happens is that as a result of sin, wives want to lead the husband. And that's why Paul says, wives, submit to your husband. That was the problem all along. Wives, submit to your husband. Heart. It's a heart cell. One of the effects of this struggle, let me quickly end by quoting from a book written by Dr. Pierre Monell, a psychiatrist in San Francisco. He wrote a book called Passive Men While Women. Passive Men While Women. To summarize what he said, basically he's saying that all these high-power men, they earn all the money. They are leaders in companies, but when they go home, they become passive. Why are they passive? They are leaders in the company, but they go home, they become passive. Because why? The wife wants to exert leadership. And so what happens? The husband goes home. I don't want to fight with you. They just want the TV remote control and ask, when's dinner ready? And they don't do anything. And what happens? It becomes a vicious cycle. The wives become mad and wild. Don't know how to handle the situation. Conclusion. For marriage to work, we have to give it time. How do we do this? 
it takes time. You don't love somebody overnight, especially when you have long-standing struggles. It's hard to respect somebody who has taken advantage of you. It takes time. It's sort of like when you bake your first cake. You remember the first, uh, I can't remember, but the ladies, or when you are in those classes, why are you so excited? When is it ready? And then you open it too soon and the cake just falls flat, right? Time. Or it gets burned. Time, practice. Let me close by suggesting that you take time to read this. Others may, you cannot. This is a wonderful article about submission. It's for everybody. When you feel like you have a raw, you have been given a raw deal, especially in the family, read this. Read this. Pray over it. And I believe you'll become a stronger person. Let's pray. And I invite the praise team to close us with a song. Father, we thank you for this morning. We ask, Lord, that you guide us. Help us, Lord, to love our spouse. Help us to honor our spouse. Help us, Lord, to have that mutual admiration that we lift each other up so that Christ's spirit may dwell in us richly. For we pray this in Jesus' precious name.
That again, whom have and whom have I in heaven but you? There's none I desire besides you. You are my shield. You are my shield, my strength, my portion, deliverer, my shelter, strong tower, my very present help in time of Please be seated and have a sound meditation or dismissed.